Welcome to JR Out Loud. My name is Judy Herman. We are in my lounge today, and I'm so thrilled to have with me Tamar and Macy Barnett, who have got the most amazing story that is their story and the story of a girl who did not survive the Holocaust. And they have done so much wonderful research on it, so I'm going to let them tell that themselves. I just want to say we have decided not to throw out our dog, who is having a lovely time cuddling up to them. So if you hear any panting in the background, that's just Bertie, because we know that Mary would not have been allowed to have a dog in the 1940s under the laws brought in by the Nazis in Amsterdam, where our story is mostly set, really, isn't it? So, would you care to introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Maisie Barnett, and I'm here to talk about Mary and our film that me and my mum made. I'm Tamar Barnett, Maisie's mum, and uh, yes, we we sort of had a real mother and daughter moment uh, making this film, producing it. Yeah. Uh, it's a real learning curve for both of us. There we are, there's Bertie shaking in the background. <coughs> he may leave the room, which would be great. What is beautiful also is it is a family affair, and your husband Lee as well has got involved. I mean, you're all very, very involved in making this film and going on this journey together. And there's so much more. So let's start, for people who may be coming up to the Bar and Bat Mitzvahs or interested anyway, tell us about the Bar and Bat Mitzvah twinning project and how you got involved in it. Well, Mum wanted to get involved with Yad Vashem twin project because she's very involved with Holocaust education. And we got... um, the certificate which said congratulations for twinning and mum just went overboard with Mary and we found Renata and that's where it all started. Right, so you're going to have to explain. Now we've mentioned Mary already so you know that's her name but it's really important to know why you were twinned with a a girl from Amsterdam so I think really Tamar that's your shout. Okay so um, when Maisie decided she wanted to do that because uh, I've got four children and my eldest son he doesn't really have that much of an interest in the Holocaust not that he's indifferent but it was not his thing Mm. but Maisie is so when when I suggested it she really wanted to do it. When you fill in the form to twin yourself you have a choice you can either have anyone or they find someone who's got a similar name or the same birthday or the same date of the bat mitzvah. Um, But we didn't really mind about dates of birth or anything like that or names. We just wanted someone from the Netherlands because I'm Dutch and um, it would be great to um, sort of find out a bit more about what went on in our own country. And we didn't want to have my family. We wanted someone fresh and new and that was a little bit unknown, really. So that was the job then of Yad Vashem to uh, rise to the challenge, which they, which they seem to have done really well. I mean, so what happened? They they immediately sent you details of Mary, or you had to actually choose? Well, obviously, Mum chose... Well, she didn't choose, but she wrote the descriptions that she would like to have mm. for the twin project. And it took about three weeks to a month to get the the papers and all the details about her. But when it came, we were all very excited, mm. especially Mum. I was going to ask you, I mean, how long a process was this from when you wrote to Yad Vashem to when you actually made the film, I suppose? I mean, it's a long process, I suppose. I think we applied just after January 2019, didn't we? And then um, we got it sort of in February. And um, 
as we got the details, so you just get a name, the date of birth, and you get the uh, the sheet that the person who um, put her name in the database, you get the sheet of information. So we got the date of birth, where she lived, her address, and we just really took it from there. And as we were looking online, um, looking at the form, we realized there was more information uh, than, than we thought. Mm. Um, and that's where we decided, actually, let's let's go and see what we can find in the Netherlands. Just to have an address is is already a good starting point. That's brilliant. That was the address where Mary used to live. Yes, that mm. was the last known address before she was deported, mm. taken out of her home. Mm. That, so that's quite a big step. I mean, you can imagine people at home poring over papers and on the internet, but to actually... I'll come to your film in a minute, but you actually, very sweetly, have a, a picture of the EasyJet plane taking off, obviously, from the UK, and the next thing we see is a street scene in Amsterdam with a tram. So yeah. that, we'll come to the sort of technical things behind the film in a bit, but that takes you straight into the story, so that's how it was. Yeah. Mm. So Mum spent endless time <laughs> finding information, and she came to me saying... I found Renata's information and she emailed Renata hoping to get a reply back, which we did. Well, we were a bit, not sceptical, but we were just like, well, will she reply back or... Mm. Because it, she's an old lady and she might be a bit concerned about why is she getting an email from someone she doesn't know. Mm. But we have a nice relationship with Renata now and it's nice to know that. I bet she, once she made the leap to actually reply to you. So much has come out of it. She must be really pleased. We haven't really quite explained who Renata is, so who, would you like to explain? Yes. Renata was Mary's best friend, and they were neighbours. They lived on the same street, and Renata's mum and Mary's <coughs> mum had a good relationship as well, and Renata's mum helped a lot in... The Nazi occupation, not with the Nazis, but with hmm. um, helping the Jews. Yeah, and she also got arrested for resistance. Oh goodness me, I didn't know that. We should probably explain that Renata isn't Jewish. Her dad right. was Jewish, but oh. her mother wasn't. But hmm. technically, in liberal Judaism, you'd be Jewish whether your mother was hmm. Jewish or your father was Jewish. Yes. But if you were Orthodox, your mo- if your mother was Jewish, you were Jewish, and if your th- father was Jewish and your mother wasn't, you wouldn't be Jewish. Mm. Although we should say that it wasn't one of the reasons why we say that we accept patrilineal Jews is that the Nazis weren't so fussed. They very soon decided that even if you had one grandparent who was Jewish, the camps were the place to ship <coughs> you off to. So Renata wasn't in danger then? Her family was definitely touched because her father mm. um, was taken away and her mum from one day to the next was arrested as well. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for Renata. So, no, yeah. so makes Renata doubly brave in a way, doesn't it? Because we're going to hear how she's very important in this story, even though Mary couldn't be saved. Uh, there's, there is more than you would expect. So... So there you are, you've decided to go to Amsterdam, you've arranged to meet Renata, who's replied to your email. (coughs) So how many days did you go for? Um, I think a week, Mm. or a bit less. It was more or less a week, Mm. yes. Yes, because you'd need that, wouldn't you? And So you really got the feel of the place, yeah? Yeah. Mm. So tell me 
the two stories that we need to know, which people will be able to get from the film as well, but let, let's tell them here, are what happened during that week and how you made this very close... You found out things you weren't expecting, I think, and how you became quite close to Renata, and then how you decided to make the film and, and made the film. So first of all, there's lovely footage in the film of you actually you know, with Renata and yeah. inside inside this the yeah, flat it's her. a flat isn't it yes or a house house yes. but it's, it's mm. sort of it's like a masonette and, house okay a masonette where mary used to live so that that's rather your face is a study you know you're finding things yeah. out it's, anyone looking can really read your face as you find out these amazing and very very sad facts yeah because when we were on the street which was mary's street we were in her house and um, there's loads of stereotypes about Jews, like, um, oh, they're all rich and they take all the money, because that was, like, all the um, propaganda posters that Nazis made. And it made you think, because her house was far from huge. She must have been on scraps of food and money, and her room was literally, like, the size of your, your sofa, like, two bits of your sofa. Gosh. And it made you think, oh, I'm very privileged and those stereotypes weren't real because most Jews were living in that those type of houses in Amsterdam. Mm. So it just made you think and it also made me very sad that she had to go through it. Mm. And very young. I mean, she, how, long, how old was she when she was uh, oh. deported? She was about nine, nearly ten. So she was yeah. very young. Very, very young. So you found... Quite a lot from Renata. Um, tell, tell me a bit about what Renata told you and what she showed you. In fact, it seems to have given you her. So, do you want to tell me? Yeah. So, um, there was not an island, but like a, the river, the Amstel. Um, it had a little island in the middle of it. Mm. And Mary and Renata would go there to play. Mm -hmm. Like, I would go with my friends out, just normal things that girls or boys would do mm. with their friends. And obviously it was the time when not, it was Nazi-occupied and they were all deporting people. If you were Jewish, you had to have a stamp in your passport and men had to change their name to Israel, but you also had to wear, which was a very... Well, literally loads of people know, you had to wear a, the yellow mm -hmm. star and you had to sew it onto your coat or your clothing. And Mary and Renata went to play... And Mary would give her her jump her cardigan to Renata, and Renata would cover it up with her cardigan, and they'd just play like normal kids would do. Mm. So, did uh, Mary actually wear one of of Renata's clothes, or was that yes. you? Yes. Tell yeah. me that. Renata would give her one of her cardigans, and Renata would cover up the the star. And they just play, and it was mm. very touching that she would risk her life mm. just to play with her friend. Mm. That, was, that was incredibly brave. Yeah. Now, there's wonderful footage in the film of a whole roll of cloth on which they would have stamped out the yellow stars. So that presumably the Jews were forced to make that cloth with lots of so many yellow stars. Every one of them is going to go and be on a garment belonging to a Jew. How did you find that? Um, that's in the Jewish Historical uh, Museum, mm. so I have good contacts there. Yes. Before we met Renata, we actually went there because mm. Mary's gloves are mm. on display in the new National Holocaust Museum. 
And we knew that. Uh, we also knew that it was somebody different to Renate, Mary's friend, who gave it. Mm. And it's a little bit of a mystery as oh. who donated those gloves. Mm. So there's still a little mystery Ooh. connected to it. There's still, and still more story to tell. Absolutely. And who gave the gloves. Mm. Um, but what it did mention was that the gloves were hurriedly given as the family were taken out of their mm. home. And it was given by Mary to somebody else that we mm. don't know about. Mm. Mm. And there's something else about the gloves that's very touching. I believe they were worn for her sister's well, wedding. Is it? So her sister got married literally before they were taken up, taken to Auschwitz. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so literally a few <laughs> days after their wedding, her sister and her husband were deported to Auschwitz and died. And they were terribly young, weren't they? I think the sister was 17 mm. and the husband was uh, 19. Oh. It doesn't bear thinking about, but we have to think about it. It's very important that we do, isn't it? Because there's still things we can learn from it, unfortunately. So there are the gloves. And you went round the whole museum, didn't you? Yeah, so that must have... went round the whole museum. Gave you a lot of background. Yeah, there was was loads of children's stuff. There was Mm. a football table where you have, like, those little... Yes, the ones where you ping. Yeah. Yeah. They Mm. had that from a little boy. They had a violin, a a colouring book, yeah, things that kids would play with. So that was, for you, the interesting thing, what yeah. what children, you know, the children's toys, and we know that that violin would have been taken away from that child because the Nazis had these laws where you, suddenly, gradually everything was taken away, the Jews couldn't own a musical instrument or a pet, as we said, that's why Bertie's allowed to be in here now. So you came back, and so where are we now? Remind me when your bat mitzvah was. was 6th it? of July. Right, so we, this period, time period is about six months altogether then. Yeah. So you came back, and you decided you were going to do more than just have the bat mitzvah. In fact, you made the bat mitzvah extraordinarily special, which is sort of why we're here. You know, all bat mitzvahs are special, they're all unforgettable, but this is something more, isn't yeah. it? But I think we in the congregation were surprised. One thing you did was... In a bat mitzvah, you have a Devar Torah. It's like a mini-sermon, and you are trying to interpret your Torah portion, and maybe you'll have Torah, and tie it in with the present. And you magnificently tied yours, which was about deaths in the desert, when the Jews were going through the desert, and you brilliantly managed to tie yours in with this whole story. Yeah. And, and there's more. I mean, to tell, us, tell us about how you wrote your Devatara. And Renata's not just in the Devatara, is she? No. So my portion was about Aaron, Moses' brother's death. And he was brought up to a mountain and was just died. But obviously a very peaceful death because he was a noble... He was the chief... Mm. I think of the tr- the tribe. Yeah, so he yeah. was the chief priest, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, the chief. And so we connected it really well with Mary, because it was both about death, even though it's not a nice thing to think about. That's how we linked it. I think we uh, sort of looked at how he managed to pass things on. Um. So if you're a chief priest. Um, you had to wear these garments, and he passed that down to I think son, he gave his son, and Mary passed down. The book was given to Renata to look after, so Mary's mum quickly gave Renata's mum Mary's book, 
I think it was her favourite book. Oh, right, so that was Mary's mum who did that? Yeah. Oh. And obviously Renata's mum gave it to Renata because mm. Mary and Renata were best friends, mm. so Renata's mum thought it was appropriate for Renata. And Renata very thoughtfully gave it to me because that's a big thing for her to do because it's, like, mm. maybe one of the only things, like, that's, like makes Mary alive to her. Mm. That was an incredible thing to do, a huge yeah. gesture, wasn't it? And you've got it with you, haven't you? Yes. Mm, should we have a quick look at it? Mm. It's very exciting and, uh, again, very poignant. Oh, lovely sound effects. It's beautifully wrapped in tissue paper because it has to be... Oh, look at that. Is it a fairy tale? No, it's. Um, mm. this is a very famous uh, children's author... Mm. Particularly for the Orthodox Jewish community, oh, right. uh, Clara Ashupinkov. She was a teacher and she was a writer, um, but she wrote all these stories about the Jewish communities and how mm. it would be, how they would be uh, not tempted or how they had dilemmas if they mm. would go and mm. visit non-Jewish people and how they're going to mm. eat non-kosher oh, okay. um, and all these how things. It's, it's really, it's very, very cute. Mm, and what what you can presumably you can understand? Yes, it. yes. I can read it. Well, I haven't read it yet. <laughs> so what is it that Rosentje van Huis? Rosentje is uh, it means raisin. I wonder so about an, that. Yeah. Yes, because there's that song almonds and raisins, isn't yes. there? Mm. So it's a it's a it's a nickname, mm. and it says Rosentje van Huis, uh, mm. raisin um, away from home. So oh, right, so it's someone's name. she is. It's it's someone's nickname. Right. Yes. Okay. So and it's she, she looks, somebody who's mm. away from home for the first time. Yeah. And we we. We can take a picture of this, but what I love about it is, A, the colour, because the only colour, it is in colour, but there's a, it's only a sort, a sort of the black hair, very dark hair. So there's black, There's the girl is wearing, a, uh, she looks like Snow White, to be honest, mm -hmm. but Snow White, if you can imagine Snow White with a, a red collar and a green dress, and I think there's some friends in the background and, some, and lots of flowers, Obviously tulips, there would be because it's a Dutch book, and it, it it's um it's but there's no other colour apart from the flesh colour, which I think is possibly because it's faded. I'm not sure of the the background and the red and the green and the black, and it's beautiful, isn't it? It's very yeah. Mm. Mm. So you must be so excited, and it's wonderful to look at because obviously the pages are sort of yellowing, and there's something special about yes. that. Mm. And there's one page ripped mm. out, which ah. Mary, uh, which Renata explained. No, it's it's actually it's part of the history Is of the it? book mm. because Renata's mum mm. they lived above um, Mary and her family, and the day in March when they were taken out of their mm. home, Renata, who was very young, slept. But um, her mother went down to see if she could do mm. anything for the family. And it was then that Mary's mum quickly gave the book away because she weren't allowed to give anything oh. of any possessions away. And she says, quickly, tear out this page because on this page that is torn out, and you can see it here, mm. uh, it used to have Mary's name, but obviously it was not allowed to be passed on. Oh. So they quickly ripped out the page and pretended it was Renata's book. Oh. And so that's, that's why it now, now says saying Renata. Renata B. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, so that's Renata's signature or her mother's, possibly. Uh, actually, it probably yeah. is her mum yes, who wrote, wrote that. It. Yes, it looks yeah. very grown-up writing, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so it was presumably Renata who told you this, wasn't it? Was it? Yes, because yes. yes. we didn't know about the no. book or Renata's mum mm. doing that oh. until Renata gave the book to us. Yeah. Um, 
could we talk about the films? What what made you decide to make a film? And I, and then we have to talk about how you crammed so much into about six minutes. I don't know how you did it. Under seven minutes. So whose decision was that? Well, when we tracked down Renata and she invited us very kindly to come to Amsterdam mm. and she would go through it all, that's when it started to sort of dawn, maybe we should film this because mm. it's good for prosperity. Um, and my husband, who is a filmmaker, said, well, you should film it. Mm. And he lent me his camera and um, we ser- still didn't really think about making a film mm. as we did. Um, Are you thinking more like... Uh, you know, a travelogue for, uh, for 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 family consumption. Yeah, not not what you actually have come up with, which is a, a mini personal documentary. Absolutely, mm. and it wasn't until we came back, wasn't it, Maisie? Yeah. We decided to actually go and try and find every footstep of Mary. Mm. So we that's why we stayed for a week, mm. and that was it was so full. We had a we had a spreadsheet with timings oh. and. It was really full, wasn't it? Maisie was exhausted, so was I. We were exhausted. In a very good end, way. At, at the end of the day, we'd come home and we'd just lie in bed and we'd just not be able to get up because our feet had ached from doing so much walking. <laughs> like, I think one of the days we did over 15,000 steps. Oh, I see how she counting the steps. But the steps took you, didn't they? I presume you went, you went to that island, but you also went to a quarter that became a ju- just a Jewish market, didn't you? Yes, yeah. yeah, so mm. there was a school near, literally on Mary's Road, mm. and it's now a, ch- a children's with special needs school, mm. but they still have the mural on the staircase, yes, which good. Mary must have obviously walked up hundreds of times, mm. and the mural was very famous, apparently, I think. The playground before the school, during the war, was um, classed as the only Jewish market. It was mm. one of few Jewish markets, but it was the only market that was allowed for Jews. And mm. it's ironic, because everywhere in the window shops, you'd see forbidden for Jews, mm. and then this market, you'd see a sign, only mm. for Jews. And yes, well, I, <laughs> I presume they made the best of it totally. I mean, it would have been somewhere to meet, wouldn't it, as well as somewhere to buy and sell. Uh, yes, to try and buy and sell mm. <laughs> anything, yeah. Yeah. really. Yes, and so the, so the school wasn't there anymore. The school the sp- is there. Oh, the no, it wasn't. I mean... It's uh, children's in need school. Yeah, no, what I meant was it wasn't... Mary wasn't at school anymore. It's not a school anymore at that time. Is that right? Or it is again now? Uh, it was a school, but Jewish kids were ah, kicked out. Right, the Jewish kids were kicked out. Okay, so she had to go to a different school. She's so young and all these changes already, aren't there? And these awful things happening. So you've been to the flat, you've been, sorry, the maisonette, the home, you've been to the island, you've been to the market, right, so, and you've been to the school. I mean, that's yeah. more or less the same thing, isn't it? Was there any other place of interest that you went to? Oh, yes. Um, well, the museum, of course. Yeah. Mm. So I think it was near where Anne Frank used to live before mm. she went into hiding, and there was a synagogue right by there. Mm which um, not Anne Frank, um, Mary obviously mm. went to. Unfortunately, it isn't a synagogue now. It's an auction house. Oh, right. okay. But they still mm. have, you know, at the top of our synagogue in the, in the actual synagogue hall, they have the Hebrew... Mm. A small sanctuary, yes. yes. So um, they've still got that yeah, that says this is a small sanctuary. And it's in, they don't want to take, they, they don't want to take that down because it's very... 
special. Yes. And they have the balconies where obviously the woman mm. would sit. Well, Mary obviously went there and we got lots of photos. And so you took a lot of photos, you took a lot of video footage, but there's so much archive in the film and beautiful way that you cut from now to that. You're, we, we often see in the film the same scene now and then, so there's this black and white or sepia footage of then and then there's how it is now in full colour, obviously, with you, often with you in it. And so... The, the, I know you say your husband's a filmmaker, but he he only advised you on this. You did it all by yourself, didn't you, between you, is that right? Mum did all the editing, obviously, mm. because I'm not very good at editing. Yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I did take some photos mm. and videos, like when we were in um, Westerbork, I took some good photos. Mm. Yes, mm. I, um, where the train track was, where you mm. get deported from Westerbork to Sobibor or Auschwitz. I took a picture on the actual, like, I put the camera gently down mm. on the train track so it looked like it was like the tra train's perspective. Right. Like you were looking like straight down. Oh, you down. took that. You see, yeah. I, I, I was very moved by that. Uh, it was astonishing, you know, the track. Yeah. yeah. So the Sobibor sign, that, that was from some archive, was it? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, there is a Sobibor sign. Yeah. So you you saw the track. Yeah, so you, you do say in the film that the most... Heart-rending part of and the most difficult part of your journey was going to Westerbork. Yeah, because there was also an. They've obviously taken everything down because they didn't. The Nazis were cowards. They didn't want anyone knowing about all the concentration camps because they wanted to keep their reputation. But everyone, obviously, everyone found out about Westerbork, and even there now, they tried. They tried planting flowers. Try and make it look like a nice holiday mm. camp or something, yes. and there's like there's like kind of kind of a hill, not a hill, mm. but like it's kind of raised bit of grass mm. where the barracks were, but there was one barrack that I don't think was burnt down, which obviously is in it, in an exhibition now, and they still have the bedding from it, mm. the clothing that was there. And it was very touching because you could feel the bedding and you could touch mm. the clothing and it was just like they were real people once and they were obviously taken to a mm. concentration camp and died there. Yeah, so and it's like you were one person the next day and the next day you were dead for something that mm. you you shouldn't be judged about. No, absolutely. And and um, we, we I'm pretty sure Anne Frank went through Westerbork. Yeah, we think, yes. Yeah. And because she was in hiding, and mm. that was obviously a criminal, offen criminal offence mm. to Nazis, mm. she was taken to the punishment oh. barrack, and it was absolutely massive, maybe like two of your living rooms. Mm. And, yeah, and then they were obviously sent to a more hot... Well, they were all very harsh, but I think mm. more... They were very punished, just badly punished for yeah. it. I think she went to Bergen-Belsen where she died. Yes, she's, mm. they went on to Auschwitz first and then um, when the Nazis were on the losing side, mm. they uh, sent a lot of the Auschwitz inmates to Bergen-Belsen. Mm. She, she only, only just didn't survive, didn't she? It was so died. tragic that she died. I think died. she died a mm. month or a few mm. weeks before mm. it. Because mm. she, she was ill. Before, yeah, she mm. had typhus. Yeah, I think that was it. Well, she would have been obviously malnourished, hopelessly malnourished and yeah. run down. So that we know that terrible story. We don't quite know what happened to Mary, or do we? Um, exactly. Well, she, mm. she was there for, I think, a month. 
I think exactly. Oh, yes, I remember on the film it says, I noticed it was a month, yeah. was it the, the, from the 13th, of March the 13th of April, I think? Yeah. yeah. And what year? Remind me the year. 1943. Right, so n nowhere near the end of the war, no, no yeah. light at the end of the tunnel, so no. to speak, in sight yet. And especially at Sobibor, when you get there, you'll immediately mm. be killed. Right. Like, I think about 30 people survived Sobibor. Yes, mm. it was one of the worst camps, yeah, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. it was one of the most deadly uh, camps. It, how you could say what's worse than Auschwitz, all, yeah. All the yeah, worst. They're all the worst, can't you're quite but right. But she died mm. she was she died as soon as she got there. Mm. But but not her memory, thanks to you. Yeah. So um archive footage, well you're very lucky, I presume to mark that's down to you. Uh, yes, obviously, as being a historian working in the Holocaust for a field for so many years, um it was actually Maisie who came up with the idea of interspersing modern and old footage. Um, and really from from there, I started researching um, footage of, of Amsterdam to see mm. if there was any footage relating to the streets. There were old photographs. Um, and, and that's how it really came together. So it really was like with most documentary making, you know, the film starts to form after you've got mm. the footage. Yes, of course. Well, I suppose it's the same as radio programme. Maybe that was an amazing thought of yours because it's, it's, it, it makes the film into something special, doesn't it, I thought? It is a proper documentary. It's the real thing. You know, it's almost prize-winning. It may even be prize-winning. How did you think of that? Um, well, I thought about the old and the new when we were on Mary Street and we looked at the old photos of the street and then Mum and me took some videos of the street mm. so I think there was a video of the street where it goes from just goes like a 360 video mm, of the yeah. street so mum thought oh shall we shall we take a video of the street and blend it in mm. so that's the connection with the old and the new and there's another thing that's very important in the film and that is like the captions you, you know it, it there are these beautiful captions now who wrote the captions explaining the story taking the story on that was really a partnership between mm. me and Maisie, mm. um, and I think that's where we, me, but mostly Maisie, probably learned the most to mm. say a lot with very few words. Mm. Um, and Maisie was really sweet because by then we realised, okay, we want to remember Mary and make sure that she's part of the mm. bat mitzvah, and we, we sort of wanted to f uh, show it after the service and that's when Maisie said yes but we can't have any horrific images or horrible words uh, mm. because there might be small children yes. so she was very considerate um, and then we started thinking about how can we tell the whole story without sanitizing it without showing mm. uh, all the horrific images um, or even mentioning it by narration and that's why we decided to use the words because we felt well, a child of six or seven might not be oh, able to read mm. the words so quickly. No, that was very. That was a very good thought because it's all there, the stark horror of it all, and it's actually very nicely written. I mean, you, you know, don't know how much each of you wrote, but it's 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 very eloquent and it's spare. It's spare. I suppose you're saying you had to sit and think, man, I can't get that many words on a frame, and people won't be able to read it quickly enough. And it's a learning process for you, and you've read a massive learning curve, isn't it? Yeah, cause when because when we were, well, when Mum was editing it, we we watched it over and over and over mm. again, and Mum was making sure it was perfect. <laughs> and I think I told her to 
remove one clip and put mm. this clip in and it made I think it made it not better but flow better mm. Mm. Uh, we also uh, experimented with um, sound as well because we recorded mm. Maisie saying a few phrases as well mm. which never made it um, because it just didn't work the captions mm. work better so mm. the yeah. things that she mm. said are now a caption mm. Um, I see. Oh God! I mean, I'm completely fascinated by the process that you've worked out between you and, and as I say, obviously, I know you had your, the your father to help, but even so, you know, it's a magnificent thing. And there's there's something else very, very important, and that's the music. You had to choose the music and weave that in as well, and know where to change the music. And there's a beautiful, beautiful Yiddish song, which most people probably recognise that song. Uh, do you want to say what it's called? Because it's quite hard to pronounce. Or even Popacek or Peppercheck. Yes, that one, as you would expect, is very mournful, isn't it? Mm. Yes, also it's a, it's, it was one of the most popular Yiddish children's mm. songs, mm. and we spoke about it. I mean, I, I went on and, and hunt for the music, mm. But we did speak about what section needed mm. what kind of yes. music. And Maisie was quite adamant it needs to be something innocent yet mournful. Mm. Well, um, it's exactly that. Exactly. Mm. And mm. It, it shows about childhood because it talks about the time before the war. It sort of sets the scene mm. and how life uh, changes. Mm. And it also is a nod to the big Jewish community that was once living in Amsterdam. Mm. So it actually does mention, you know, it was actually written at the time, was it then? I mm. think. I think it was written in the beginning of the century, actually. Oh, right. it's, so it's, it's quite yeah. a, yes. Okay. It's so it talks of the t good times. Yes. Mm. Mm. yes. Okay. And is it, did you find you got it in your head like a little earworm, so you were humming it? Because it's that sort of yeah. song, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, kind of, once it gets in your head, it's kind of difficult to get out of mm. your head. Mm. And it's also, it, it adds a nice touch to the film mm. because it's about Mary and her life story and how she died. But we made it, not not cheerful, but we kind of made it not upbeat, but it kind of made you realise, oh, she was just a normal girl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you connected with her. I mean, then it goes on, You is this is a more modern song? He I can't yes. say it, something about a mountain, I think, with a guitar duo, you all have to say it. <laughs> yes, it's a headdorp, and it's uh, originally sung by a man called Wim Sonnefeld, but mm. it's also... Um, a French song by mm. Jean Ferrat, mm. um, but Head Dorp is 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 like a it's a national treasure uh, in in Dutch, mm. and it's very nostalgic. It's about it. The song is mm. about somebody who's looking back on his life. So uh, this is the song that I chose oh. um, because it was the section where Renate is looking back on mm. her childhood. So. Um, it was difficult to find the instrumental version that was quite nice, and and I managed to find just two people playing guitar on YouTube, mm. Um, mm. and that's that was the version that both Maisie and I uh, mm. thought was the best. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah. And there's one more bit of music on the piano, isn't there? Yes, and and uh, when Mary was, uh, in, I think it's a bit, Renata wasn't sure, but in in nineteen. 40 or something mm. like that she was sent to a health colony because she was uh, you know she was very thin oh. and probably poor not enough vitamins and it was just the, the thing was to send kids uh, to a health mm. colony at the sea get some uh, sea air in their lungs and Renata went with oh. just as a friend not Gosh, because what an amazing friend yes mm. and while they were there one of the songs that they mm. sang was based on a very um, popular Dutch children's song. Mm. So I managed to find a really 
beautiful piano mm-hmm. version of it. Mm. Um, and you better say what it's called because I can't. It's oh. called Op de Grote Stille Heide, which means on the large, quiet heather fields. Okay. Right. Which is quite poignant because Vesterbork Camp ah. was based on a heather ah. field. Oh gosh, I didn't yeah. know that. It's poignant, isn't it? Everything is so perfect. And then we come to almost what I would call the climax. We're not just showing the film. You're not just mentioning her in your Devatara. You have a guest of honour at your bat mitzvah. Yes, we invited Renata to my bat mitzvah, both the ceremony and the party. Of course. <laughs> I'm sorry. And mm. it was just very nice and it I think it, it made I think she was very happy that we decided to do a film because it kind of made her feel like, oh my friend's finally getting mm. remembered and it's I think it she's very I think Mary deserves to get remembered because out of all the six million Jews that died, I think it's important that we remember them because not many of them, we don't even know half of them, to be honest. And when mm. we get older, all the survivors of the Holocaust will have died. And we, it's just kind of a forgotten mystery about the people could, who died. It could become one. And you're saying, Mary, we do know about now, thanks to you and Renata and, and all this research, but she is standing for so many that we'll never know about, isn't she? Yes, mm. because mum knows many 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 survivors but in 10 years time they won't be here anymore and so it'll be very difficult to not to, yeah to learn about them from their perspective and all we have is the information that they've told us and there might be some more things that would help a lot in all the research and everything but I think it's important that we start it's good that Yad Vashem have got this twinning project mm. thing because it makes a lot of them all remembered. And the other thing is it's making people as young as you remember. I think that's really important. Yes, because we usually, well, adults stereotype us teenagers <laughs> to, to just be lazy and just go on our phones and just care about oh. our looks and everything. But we do have lots of empathy and sympathy we are very empathetic because obviously I do care a lot about Holocaust and making sure that there's no anti-Semitic stuff going on and standing up for loads of survivors and and just very yeah. mindful and thought more thoughtful about yeah. it. I think we're very lucky that we've got a new younger generation that are so thoughtful. I mean, we know how they feel about climate change, but this is, memory is important too. It's all important, isn't it? Right, well, I want to thank you both. And I think anybody listening or reading the story of what you've done is going to be inspired by it and very, very grateful to you as well. Quite an extraordinary story. So thank you both for talking to me today for J. Artla, which is the podcast of Jewish Renaissance magazine. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.